0: Welcome to The Inner Circle, the podcast bringing you into honest conversations about climate action. Together, we'll talk to business owners, experts, activists, and others who are working on circular economy initiatives on the ground. We'll uncover what we're doing right, where people are going wrong, and what needs to be done to change the system to value people and the planet. Together, we're making the impossible possible. Welcome back to The Inner Circle. My name is Erin Andrews. I'm the founder and executive director of Impact Zero. And as always, I'm very happy to have you back with me this week to talk about all things circular economy. So this week's updates, I have been working on this thing for a little while. That is basically like trying to figure out how to bring you into what we do, right? So we have the professional network. I've mentioned that I've been working on the supporter network and we are so close to being able to like get this going. So what the supporter network is, you can think of it. As, like, our way of organizing people who care about circular economy but don't really know how to be involved and like make things happen from a systemic level, right? So, as business owners, like, we have the accelerator and like systems where they can be engaged and grow their business, which is helping build circular economy. But as an individual, a lot of that work is going to be around like activism, supporting small businesses. And honestly, like just supporting us so we can continue to do the work to help these businesses grow. Um, to put it into perspective, our Impact Project Accelerator costs us a good chunk of money to run per program. So we're doing it on a very tight budget right now, and it's going to cost us around 10000 to 15000 per project. And that's not even at like the full scale that we want to be doing it at. So this stuff takes money. And to be a supporter of the network, essentially, you're showing your support by investing in what we're doing, but like not just by like giving us money as a donation, which we would absolutely love. However, um, we wanted to be able to give something back to you in return for supporting us. So as a supporter, we're going to do tiered memberships. So it's kind of like a pay what you can. As much as our technology will limit us to do that, so there are going to be four tiers. Um, But everyone gets the same thing. So essentially, if you become a supporter... Um, you can come to our exclusive Impact Zero events. So that's both a combination of educational events, um, activism events, supporting events, as well as we'll be sharing a ton of content. Like you will literally be able to come into the Impact Zero network and like see the content that we share and how we keep people up to date. And it's a totally exclusive area. There's going to be an open area in case you're just interested that anyone can join but then this this supporter corner, we can call it, there's like the professional network corner for all of our business members, and then there's going to be a supporter network corner that's for like donors and people who want to invest in what we're doing, which is more of like a private, intimate space where we can talk and get to know each other and do events together and build that community around circular economy that we need so badly. So that's just something to look out for. I'm probably going to be posting it um, next week. However, you are able to join the waitlist for that on our website. So if that's something you're interested in, go do that. Something else I wanted to share is just our gala that's happening on July 15th. And this is going to be really huge. We don't have tickets available yet, but it's going to be July 15th at 7pm. And it's going to be where we're presenting our impact projects. So Case and Circular, the two projects that I won't shut up about um, that I'm totally obsessed with, we're going to be sharing the findings of these pilot projects with them because there have been so many learnings. Like we're only halfway through and there's already so much that we've learned and I really want to take the time to celebrate these projects. So just keep an eye out for that on July 15th. The tickets will probably go out in the next couple weeks, maybe a month from now, but I just wanted to keep that on your radar. As always, I'd like to support a business that is already in our network because I really believe in what they're doing and I think that you would love to know about the awesome work that they do too. The business I would like to shout out this week is called The Shared Bag. So The Shared Bag believes in second chances for all. They work with 100% upcycled and repurposed textiles. They reduce the amount of textile and plastic waste going into their landfills by creating these multi-purpose reusable bags. So not only do they create these bags from recycled content, but they also are obviously eliminating the need for plastic bags. So they believe in, invest, and support our local economy. And what I love so much about this type of initiative is that they're going straight into taking action. So there's no need to be making produce bags or any of these fabric bags from new materials. And that's why they only do it using upcycled materials. So if you'd like to learn more and support The Shared Bag, you can follow them on Instagram at The Shared Bag. And visit their website at thesharedbag.com. And I'll post all of those links in the show notes. So this week, we're going to be chatting with our dear friends at Ivy Solutions. Um, They are a consulting firm for small businesses to help people who want to, you know, increase their sustainability, reduce their costs, and they might not totally know how to do it. They're a new firm, but they're very qualified. They're all engineers, all in different capacities. And they'll talk more about that in the actual interview. But they've been a member and they've been a really engaged member um, for a long time of the network. And I really value not just their partnership, but honestly, just like their friendship. They're great people. Um, So if you'd like to learn more about AV, the, the links to everything will be in the show notes as well. And we'll plug them at the end. But they do awesome work. And I'm really excited to be able to jump into this with you. So without further ado, let's just get right into it with the team at AV Solutions. Today we have with us the entire team of AV, Ivy Solutions, AV Solutions, how do we say it? I don't really know. (laughs) I know there's a debate about this, Um, but maybe let's kind of go one by one um, about, we can kind of talk about each of you, how you got into this um, and what you guys are working on as a collective. So does anyone want to speak first for the whole team? I can jump in first. Uh, So I'm Sarah. I'm technically
1: what's called the growth and innovation founder of Ivy. I call it Ivy. Some other members call it AV. We're kind of like Udemy if you've ever saw that commercial where it's like, it doesn't matter what you call us, we'll still help.
0: Um,
1: but I'm growth and innovation founder, So basically I help businesses find their goals and kind of develop the innovations. And then I hand it off to the rest of the team. Um, and then we also just kind of like look into other things and find areas that we can uh, grow on. I come from an electrical engineering background and automation. So I have a lot of back, like a background in process optimization and just process design in general. So that's pretty helpful with our industry and everything. Um, so how I was gonna get, or how I got into sustainability, just kind of by chance, <laughs> I've always like liked sustainability and nature. But didn't do it in school and then I actually attended the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's circular or linear to circular program last year and just like immediately became hooked and was like I need, I need to do this so I've been like on the circular life for a good solid year and a bit now.
0: I love it. I also took that course, although it was a lot of repetition for me. Um I know that you because are you taking this next one as well yeah they did yeah. the in-depth one have you been keeping up with the courses i have not
1: <laughs> Same. yeah it's the the time they had some time changes too right so is uh keeping up with that but i also um work full time so it's
0: trying to balance that mm-hmm. totally and do all three of you work full time
2: yep Currently, yes oh my
0: gosh <laughs> Okay. Yeah. This is a lot of effort. Okay. Um, so like, that's just like speaking on like someone who has also done the side hustle life. That is uh, a lot of work. So, uh, maybe Adam, do you want to go next and share like a little bit about your history and what you guys, you're doing now with AV?
2: Yeah. So, um, hi, I'm Adam. I, uh, I'm the product and research lead for Ivy and kind of what I, my main focus is, uh, is being the kind of in-between person, Sarah and Marcus, uh, while we have ideas and we're kind of finding new technologies and new ways to help people, sometimes things might not fit what we're looking to push at a certain time. So it's kind of taking these ideas and keeping them in our kind of storage, keeping them in our bank uh, and vetting what makes most sense to be efficient right now. Um, and then for a background, I also don't come from a sustainability background or a circular background. Um, Mainly computer and software uh, programming. That's what I did in school. Uh, so right now, uh, I work full time with a broadcast engineering company, which has been pretty interesting. Can be pretty busy. Um, and I think the biggest skill from that is just kind of a pretty wide scope of project management and taking on a couple things in in terms of completely new ideas, taking new technologies, and and seeing what you can do with them. Which is obviously branched really, really well for for Ivy. Um, and then. I guess more fundamentally, I've always wanted to uh, cut back on my waste. And I mean, even like one of my passions is cooking and taking my scraps and seeing what I can make it the next day is pretty directly correlated with the circular movement. So I feel like that tie-in has really bonded me to, okay, it makes sense, you know, and if you can extend it out from just your little kitchen into industry, um, you can really make some awesome things.
0: I love it. Awesome. So Marcus, do you want to let us know a little bit about your background and what
3: you're doing with AV slash (laughs) IV? Yeah, it's uh, uh, my name is Marcus. I was kind of correlated to the bubbly buble kind of uh, uh, conundrum. Um, Yeah, so uh, similar to the other guys, I I do work full time, but uh, my background is also in engineering. I did material science, actually, uh, and I did do a minor in sustainability in school. So I started a little bit earlier on the unsustainability train, always been engaged with it. I uh, grew up in a small town, like two hours north of Toronto. So I've always been big in, in the outdoors and um, just enjoyed nature that way. Uh, so my role with Ivy right now is is operations lead. Uh, so my background is is in construction and design management for major transportation projects in the GTA. Um, so I'm kind of uh, approaching everything from, from the operation standpoint, from the practicality standpoint, how do we actually get it done? How do we deliver? How do we maintain our schedule, hit our budgets? Um, And ultimately deliver on the project uh, in in the most efficient and uh, uh, and, uh, I guess quality manner that we can.
1: As you can see it's something that we've all talked about, it's really about efficient design. I think that's where like our engineering skills really come in and kind of help with this. Um, Just to kind of give an overview, so Ivy we're kind of like a one-stop shop for sustainability We look to help small businesses, mostly in food and BEV right now, um, on their sustainability paths. And that could be anything to like helping them find goals or innovations that benefit them or to even helping them design and implement them. So that's why we kind of have like three different people. So you have me like the dreamer, like I'm going to come in and be like, look at all these cool things and look at all these fun things. And then Adam is like, okay, so Sarah's designed this. How do we actually do this? And like what will work and what is the most efficient solution and then we hand it off to marcus and he just magically builds it right so <laughs> it's uh it's good but we've been working with um food and bev as i said uh breweries restaurants bakeries doing some really cool stuff uh we've done some audits so an energy audit for a brewery and a food waste audit for a bakery which have actually d- pr- or gotten us some pretty good results The brewery actually, after doing it, uh, saw a reduction in their energy bill. Um, And with them, one of the cool things is they came to us and they were uh, telling us that we turn the AC off in the summer, but we don't see a drop in in our energy bill. And heating and cooling normally is like a large part of an energy bill. So they had us come in and we kind of documented everything they had and looked at Uh, what everything was pulling and then gave them a report showing what the entire breakdown was. And we found out that it was actually their brewing process, um, specifically uh, their glycol system that was taking so much of their energy. So what we did afterwards is we went and did a bunch of research into glycol, uh, contacted a bunch of suppliers and found a way for them to reduce the energy, uh, which actually cut their bill pretty quickly, which was a nice surprise for us, because we thought it would take some more time. Um, Mm -hmm. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. And like, I think a lot of the sustainability initiatives that you'd probably work on, they just have like an inherent cost benefit analysis type thing, right? Because if you're saving things, that often means you're not buying new things, or in the case of energy, you don't have to buy as much or like water, you don't have to pay for as much. Um, so there's a lot of that, like um, financial benefit as well. Is that like what you see with most people then?
3: Yeah, and I think you nailed it on the head there with cost benefit. And I mean, that's one of our really our core values is uh, sustainability doesn't have to be a cost incursion necessarily, right? Like it it is it is the benefit, and and especially for SMEs where I mean we recognize that people have tight budgets and tight timelines, and so you don't have the capex to necessarily do. Bigger investments and and to show the return on investment, to show like what the payback period is, to show the savings coming through. Um, so to have one of our early onboarders, you know, see see the savings within just like one utility payment bill was was fantastic. Um, and then obviously that's going to carry forward uh, through through. I mean, longevity wise. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the cost benefit is is definitely one of the core values that we have, and that's that's drives a lot of our decision making. Um, also in the sense where it doesn't necessarily just have to be a a good idea uh, or, or feasible, but it also has to make sense from a financial aspect, especially for the SME market.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. So I want to actually ask um, Adam, when you, when you get ideas from Sarah, or I guess the whole team can probably ideate as well, but if that's like what your usual process tends to be like, how do you like translate the idea into like, actual things that can be done you know because I feel like a lot of people have like these kind of like theoretical oh maybe this could work but there's so many barriers that you hit every time you try to implement something so how do you get past that um I guess is there anything that you ever come across that like you really can't get past you just can't do it or is there always like a solution to those ideas I,
2: I think um it's as much as like it's a such a uh, commonly used term, like thinking outside the box. Um, in terms of like thinking those barriers and facing them, that's kind of something that I'm leaning into. Um, and obviously our ideas, especially with the, how tight our team is right now, our ideas are coming from every direction at every time. I mean, like sometimes it's middle of the night, like, oh my goodness, I just thought it was a really cool thing. I'm going to maybe text the team, maybe just write it down somewhere and hopefully <laughs> bash it through later. Um, but my main approach to a lot of my problems that I face is how can I break it? You know, how, does, how is this working the way it thinks it's working? And how can we take it apart into its fundamental components that we can rebuild something else? And sometimes doing that finds, oh, well, actually, the way it's supposed to work is probably the most efficient way. And it doesn't really make sense for us. We kind of need to think, you know, a different direction. Or sometimes doing that, maybe you get to a point where, okay, I can I can build up something that is not exactly what I thought of initially, but it, it works and it still works for the solution that I'm aiming for. Uh, and in, coupled with that is in trying to break something, you try and find all the bits and pieces that won't work. So hopefully you're going to face those problems theoretically before you hit them in person. Like, oh, well, this pipe was supposed to be so much bigger, or I was supposed to have this much more yield out of my plants. You know, you can kind of play with those and and face them on paper before you face them with a shovel in hand and, you know, on the floor. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And that's when like having the intersection between like an engineer mindset or a very like technical mindset and the creativity of sustainability. Like I find like that's where you guys have like such a special like intersection. Cause I find it's either you're talking to like end firms or you're talking to sustainability firms and like, maybe they have someone on board, but that seems to be like a very core um, thing that you guys have intentionally focused on is like finding the intersection and like really leaning into it. Right.
1: Yeah. we really want to make it kind of available to anyone because like you not everyone's going to know that insane technical terms or engineering terms and that's kind of where we want to come in is like you can come and tell us like this thing isn't turning on and I don't know why and we'll come in and be like oh like this is the technical like this is the glycol chiller and you don't have this valve turning on because this like switch isn't operating correctly and then we can go talk to the technical people being like this is actually what's happening instead of the thing isn't turning on so it, it allows, I think, a lot more flexibility for small businesses that can have an idea, but they don't have to have it fleshed out. Like You can come to us and be like, I just want to lower my energy, or I know I produce a lot of waste, but I don't know what to do with it. And we can kind of figure out how to help.
0: Yeah. And I think especially with the sustainability targets, like zero waste targets that a lot of people are putting out there, um, that then that's kind of like an example of when they say, okay, we know that we want to achieve this broadly, but then you guys come in and say, okay, this and this and this and this, this is how you do it, this is how you're gonna accomplish it and we're gonna do it for you. So you don't have to really think hard about it, right? Exactly. 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 And there,
3: there's a lot of thought that went into also, like at the start of of why we took the, the role titles that we did. Um, and, and I mean, as startup, like the reality is like, we're all working on, on pretty much everything and we're bouncing ideas off each other continuously. But the way that we, the, the reason that we took these roles was it, it forces you to come in with, with a certain mindset and the three mindsets are very opposing. So every single idea that is, it, it's essentially vetted through the entire life cycle of a project. And, and we found that that really quickly kind of fleshes out some of the better ideas from some of the not so good ideas um, just cause you're coming at it from a, such a different perspective. And then also, even though we all have technical backgrounds, we have very differing technical backgrounds and very differing experiences, um, which also broadens the network overall, like not you don't just necessarily like we've noticed on a few projects, not just to rely on our own experience, but to rely on our greater network that, that we've like accrued over um, over industry so far. So it's uh, I don't know, it brings a really unique perspective, I think, into into problem solving.
0: Mm hmm. And on that note, while there is a ton of benefit to working with a team that can also potentially introduce some challenges, I don't know. Being an entrepreneur, I've tried starting a business, business with a friend and it did not work. Um, we're no longer friends. Um, so like, how has that been having three people on your core team in the early stages of just like starting this business in general like does anyone want to speak to that
2: (laughs) I think um, we and like knock on all the wood cross the fingers touch metal all the whatever you can do um we've been really good friends for a little while now and I think the type of friendship that we have uh is in that we'll kind of call each other on our stuff that, you know, there's obviously, don't be a jerk about it, but there's a certain level of respect that, hey, when, I, when I'm seeing an idea or whatever, I'll listen to you and, um, you know, tell me exactly what you think. Uh, and I think that level of openness and um, kind of freedom of thought has allowed us to be effectively critical without being, um, you know, critiquing the small things and taking it apart. Uh, and it's allowed us to flourish some ideas, like Marcus was saying, like the, the, the good ideas float to the top and the other ones were like, well, you know what? This doesn't make sense. We can keep it in our back pocket, but for right now, it, you know, we've been able to pick apart too many parts of it. Um, and I think just having that openness has allowed us to, to excel. And hopefully, I mean, we can continue that. Uh, that's the dream, of course, uh, but time will tell.
1: I think we've also benefited from having three people um because then it's not just like one versus the other it's the team's decision because we have to have two people agreeing to move on well normally we try and have all three of us agree like but you know sometimes you don't but I think by having three people on the team like we haven't run into too many issues yet
3: and I think Adam nailed it too on on the respect and and the trust and uh um something I was like, something I think we all do well is we don't take things personally, especially when it's, when it's work-related. I mean, if, if, if someone's critiquing me on an idea or criticizing my, like the idea, I'm not going to defend it just because it's mine. Like I'm going to defend it from, from a place where if I believe it's good, I'll defend it. But if you can poke holes through it, then clearly either I need to go put more thought into it, or, or we need to workshop this, or it's just not a good idea. And that's not a personal attack on, on anything. And you don't kind of, you just kind of take that, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of like a personal attack aspect out of it. And you just focus on, I mean, the goal is to come out of this with the the ba- best idea. And it circles back to something we mentioned earlier. It's, it's all about trying to be as efficient as you can and, and not bogging down on, on taking personal things, personal attacks. It's about how do you get to the most effective, best solution in the shortest amount of time possible.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. I agree with that because like, you can have like, the friendship and then like the business relationship and those things are completely separate. And when the lines get blurred, that's when (laughs) things start to get messy. Exactly. Um, exactly. But that's great that you guys are able to make it work, especially I think having the three people that makes a lot of sense because it's like having a mini board basically.
2: And
3: and we laid out a lot of governing rules at the start. Like we sat down and there was, there was a lot of documents drafted and discussions had of, of different scenarios and, you know the the if the if and like if if this happens this is the the protocol that you follow to get through it and then it's all mutually agreed on beforehand and even if you you know you don't aren't the happiest with the output like uh you agreed to it and, and you take it and again trust and respect all the way through
0: mm-hmm. yeah and actually something that my mentor um, mentioned recently to me is contracts are an act of love because it's just a way to like get everything out on the table Make sure you're communicating everything effectively. And that's just the tool that you use to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So people often, it gets a bad reputation, but like that, like exactly what you said, of like writing it all out, having it there, having everyone agree on it. Like that's like the best way to start a relationship.
2: And jumping off that actually, yeah, I think communication is the biggest thing and not just like obviously professional uh, personal relationships. And I think uh, that's kind of what we want to be for small to medium-sized businesses especially with like one, one example, one client, um, they had this issue with their glycol chiller and they've been trying to reach out and trying to find a person who could answer these questions for them and reaching out to the company who would made it and just you know, really not, not striking anything on it. Uh, unfortunately, because uh, Sarah's kind of worked in that field and has that experience, she knew the language. You know, she could communicate effectively to the people, like the manufacturers and say, hey, this is the, the exact problem we're seeing. And then troubleshoot things on the fly to figure out, here's the solution, here's what's going on, uh, and you know how's, how do we move forward? And I think having that level of communication and having that level of, uh, of expertise, and even if it's not directly on our team, but in our network, uh, being able to leverage that to find a solution for really any problem. And that's kind of why we want to be that one-stop shop of, no matter what you're thinking or what it is, even if it's just a random idea that you think, that could be kind of cool, but I have no idea how it's going to work, throw it at us. Worst case, we'll have fun thinking about it and you know, give you some idea of whether it makes sense or whether it really doesn't fly right now.
0: Yeah, totally. And so when people, I guess, or even just, maybe let's kind of like blow it up even to just the broader market um, and like starting, a consulting firm like this, sustainability is obviously gaining more traction. Um, but obviously, there are still some businesses that don't see it as a priority. That's just real life, as um, upsetting as it as it can be. Um, that's a real thing. So whether it's you know getting people to to see the sustainability factor, to know even to ask the questions, or if it's something else, like what are barriers being um, a consulting firm in this space currently? In a pandemic or just a normal world, like what are the things that you guys are facing, kind of on the daily? I'll
3: take, I'll start like lack of data. I mean that that that's always been my biggest one, and that's that's a uh, um, it's it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to make the sales pitch if you don't have all the data available to say like, hey, like statistically speaking, sixty percent of uh, of people in this industry are are seeing this kind of savings, um, and the funny part is, is as there's more more usership, the data cuts more, you get more buy-in. Um, so I think we're really gonna see the the space explode a lot more as more people slowly kind of creep on. It's just gonna be that exponential, that classic exponential uh, uh, onboarding curve. And, and um, as people start to see the return becoming more consistent between different people, um, I think you're gonna see the uh, the adoption rate just, just skyrocket.
1: Yeah, and I think another barrier that we also face is just we, like we target SMEs, like we want to work from SMEs. We want to help out because we've noticed that bigger companies can hire someone to like be on their team and do this. So we want to be the people that can help SMEs, but they're also living and like running on a super tight budget. So like they can't necessarily put $100,000 into installing a solar like system, right? So what we have been really doing is like figuring out payment structures that can work for SMEs. So we're not just like a one type of payment structure. Like we look for funding that can cover the ideas that a business may have, or we look at like different types of payment structures that might work best for them. Like we're really just like, like a one-stop custom kind of shop, like custom sustainability. Cause we know that like, it's not gonna be the same for every single client cause it's gonna be different.
2: And speaking to pandemic, I mean, um, it, people, it's it's tough, right? Of course, and, and that's across the board, uh, especially with uh, with you know things locking down or reduced patronage, um, you know, less money's coming in. That's just kind of the, the bottom line of it. And one thing we've really focused on is, well, if you are getting less money in, can you get less money out? And you know, lowering your overheads, finding ways to cut your costs uh, in house is a, it's been a big focus of a, of ours. And I think it's something that you know, even if it's if it's a small change, those are the things that, as as we were doing, uh, Marcus was talking about earlier, those like long term changes that do add up and do make a difference. Um, and so, kind of coupled with the idea of you know any project is is a project. We want to take on, no matter how small you think it is or how big you think it is, we want to help you with that. And then, even if you don't think it's something that's feasible in terms of your budget, like we can we can play around with it. You know, we'll find the funding. We'll do the work to to help you out because our bottom line isn't just. Our bottom line is it's, you know, making sure that things make sense for you. And that this is an industry that we think is going to explode. We think that it makes sense. And we think that now is the time to, to put the work in. So you want to help people do it?
1: Yeah. And to add to that, like nine, was it 97 to 99% of businesses in Ontario are small businesses. So like by helping small businesses make sustainable changes, like we can see sustainable changes in business in Ontario because they can pave the way
3: there's uh adam hit it on the nail too like the if you have less money coming in can you get less money coming out but can you also get all, like other ways of money coming in and that really ties back into like i mean your mandate with the circular economy stuff right like can you can you financially um uh, stimulate your waste or, or is there other revenue streams that maybe you're not seeing um just because maybe you're just not aware or, or you're not looking at it in a certain in a certain light and and it's starting to become more and more popular as as i mean you know way better than me uh even like that uh the, the value of, of waste commodities is starting to go up, up, and uh, and just feeding into this whole notion of circular economy and and monetizing things that used to be a cost for you that now become I mean at a minimum like a break even.
0: Totally, I was actually talking to one of the uh, accelerator participants yesterday, and I was like, honestly, I think plastic waste is the new gold yeah. <laughs> because you can make a ton of money if you can sort it effectively. And if you can uh, like manage it also effectively, then there's so much money in that. It's going to be the new oil and gas, honestly, like we're not going to be mining for new or drilling for new oil. We're, We're going to be recycling the plastic that exists and people are completely dismissing it right now. So, um, yeah, like businesses figuring out those ways that like those kinds of ideas can relate to them. Like, what are you missing right now?
3: on that train too, like my light bulb moment for that exact thing was when I was reading an article and it was a while back. So my facts might be a little off, but, um, there was people that were stealing recycled cardboard, cardboard shipments because the value in the recycled cardboard was so high. And these guys were making like in the tens of millions of dollars, like stealing tens of millions of dollars worth of cardboard. And that was like, for me, like the light bulb moment, I was like, wow, like there is substantial, um, value in this as a commodity and that's that's a recycled commodity that historically has always been viewed as as waste Um, and, and yeah that was that was when you like for me like definitely like a shift like a paradigm shift just like there there is something it's it's coming it's here
0: yeah. There's $4.5 trillion trapped in a circular economy that we are not tapping into right now by 2030. And businesses can get their piece of it if they just think a little bit outside the box, if we're going to go full circle here. Like there are ways that they can tap into it. And so, yeah, even like just from that perspective, like that's a way that you guys could come and like do an audit and see like where are they either, I guess, like wasting money and using resources they don't need to use or on the flip side of it monetizing your waste because it's fully a thing and we've got business cases coming soon that will prove it to people so um, it's definitely real
1: yeah like the waste audit we did with the bakery like just looking at the waste that they were producing like we found innovative ways that we're still working with them to see how it turns out but like to reuse that and resell it or to like switch their packaging to something more reusable so they're not spending the money on the packaging so
0: mm-hmm. yeah cutting margins increase revenue decrease costs all the same thing there's a there's a business case for it and it sucks though when businesses have to kind of like tape, take take leap, a leap of faith you know mm-hmm. before they realize that for themselves um so that's why we're hoping like for impact zero we can like publish use cases to be like look this person did it this person did it this person did it and then it can at least inspire because our thing is about like informing and inspiring business leaders to see the potential that like is seriously there at their fingertips they just like haven't thought that way about it yet so yeah and there's I'm on your side
1: (laughs) there's already so many like innovations in the world too right like we are constantly researching so we're constantly pulling in things so like we're looking at things from so many different angles, being like, OK, so this bakery, I saw that someone did this in Paris. Can we apply this here in this small bakery and stuff?
0: Mm-hmm. So it's,
1: it's all about scaling, too.
0: Yeah, that's the other piece of it, for sure. Like we're at like the innovation stage and like circularity is like pre-innovation, like people are still figuring out what it even is. Um, But like once we can scale these types of solutions and like by you guys helping SMEs, it starts to like lay the foundation um, because it becomes more common and then they can scale it up and then it's only like more cost savings as they grow or more additional revenue as they grow. So like there's really no downside, I would suspect, to just like exploring the potential within their business
1: no and there's no downside to like gaining data from an audit either right like you just you get that information and like you don't necessarily have to do anything with it but you have it there for if you ever decide to go with it but you can't really decide where to move forward with unless you know what you already have mm-hmm.
3: can't you can't manage what you can't measure right i mean that's you hear that everywhere like the and and uh, you need you need to know where you're at in order to make any sort of change, and that also establishes a baseline. So when you make changes, there's like you can prove that the change was actually effective because you're measuring against some sort of a a benchmark or a baseline, and um, that's what we're really excited for to see more people do this, and then you can start to pull industry benchmarks and industry like benchmarks, and you can start to see how your company is actually ranking in the overall industry uh, in your geographic location, and and hopefully even nationally, and I mean as is picking up internationally even internationally um which i mean i think just adds a whole new like area of of marketing but also just insight
0: yeah i like that you bring up the marketing because there is like marketing benefits to doing this stuff right because if you can say like we've reduced this much like i worked at um at td for like multiple years you can look up their esg report it's public online and they're always saying like we reduced by this percent we reduced this by this percent but if you don't measure it you can't obviously report it and you can't get the credits (laughs) to like brag about it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, um, I also wanted to know, like if people wanted to figure out, like, if they're kind of like their interest has been peaked, they're like, maybe this is something that my business could benefit from. Maybe it's not, but maybe it is. And I'm, I want to explore it. How can people get in contact with you guys? How can they? I guess like reach out. Like, where are the channels that people can find you?
1: Yeah, so our we have our website, which is IV Solutions, and it's aeviSolutions.com. Uh, we have all our contact info on there, but you can also reach us at info at IVSolutions.com. We also have Instagram with the same handle, and you can contact us there. We also every Tuesday, if you did not want to like get in contact with us, but did have questions, every Tuesday we do um ask ivy where we'll just take any sustainability questions it could be personal or it could be for your business and then we try and answer a few of them on wednesdays awesome yeah
0: yeah and you guys post a lot of information on instagram like when you're learning new things you're sharing all that so well we want to share share
1: the share the wealth and share the knowledge right
0: yeah for sure Awesome. Well, is there any last thing that you wanted to mention to the listeners about AV slash Ivy?
2: I think just that, um, you know, no matter what your what your thoughts are on the subject and even like, you know, for me, speaking from experience, having only gotten into really the circular sustainability conglomerate of ideas and concepts, um, if even if you're thinking about something, you know, we can help explore it. Uh, And there are, even if not us, but there are other avenues. Um, Google's great. I mean, right now, there's so many uh, just interesting ideas that are bouncing around. And like, I think your connection to, to plastic being gold, like we're really in a gold rush situation where people are just throwing darts at a wall and they're, they're hitting bullseyes. You know, people are getting really cool ideas that are getting really cool traction and doing amazing stuff. Um, So some of your, you know, quirky ideas, See where they go, and uh, if you choose us to help you with them, all the better for both of us. Um, but uh, I mean, we'd be glad to, to help you along that path.
3: And and on that too, like the the one thing, um, like a, like something that I've always thought of, and and uh, and I think it's a core value for us too. It's like we understand that like everyone's super busy, especially SMEs. I mean, we we're talking about it at the start here, like how hard it is to start a business, um, and whether it be a side hustle, whether it be full time, whether you have family. Especially now with the pandemic and everything, like nobody's an expert at everything. And sometimes you just don't have the time to look at stuff. Um, and, and that's really what we're here for. I mean, we've embedded ourselves in this, in this space to, to try to pull together as much information as possible and to try to streamline it down to very, very quick and effective ways to communicate. And, and it's it's really like, does it make sense for you? Does it not? And that's what we're here to help with. Um and and yeah, we're not nobody has to be an expert on everything. You don't even have to know anything at all uh, but just if you think there's an idea or you think there's or even if you're just inspired or or want to see what's even possible I mean always just reach out and um, we love talking about ideas this is what we do we eat breathe it all day um, as do you so I mean having these kind of different forums and, and to reach out and just just chat on it. and if, if the idea makes sense and we take it forward fantastic if not I mean it's always a creative discussion so
0: Hmm. I saw all three of your faces light up when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) So I can confirm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Awesome. Sarah, do you have any last thoughts you want to leave the audience with?
1: Um, Just kind of what everyone has said and mirroring them. Just if you want to get started, there's no better time than now. Um, We can't really go back to business as normal. We should try and go to a new normal and might as well start looking into it.
0: Accurate.
3: It's funny, as we've been talking this whole time, there's been a quote that's been rattling around my brain uh, that I heard about like over 10, 12 years ago. And um, it's it's from uh, a lecturer actually called Randy Pouch, and he did what's called the last lecture. It's on YouTube. It's really good. But he has a line in there and he says brick walls aren't there to to stop you from getting where you want to go. They're meant to show you how badly you want something. And I feel like that's the stage that circular economy and sustainability is at, like, there's a bunch of barriers to get to where we want to go. Um, but they're all surpassable and they all will be surpassed. And, and there's just like this big growing group of people that are just driving that forward. And it's uh, exciting to be a part of this. And and thank you so much for having us on. So.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's like a perfect thing to leave it off on. (laughs) Amazing. Great. So yeah. Thank you both all all three of you for joining us um, on this week's episode of inner circle. I'm so grateful that you were able to make the time.
2: Yes, Anytime. Thanks. Thank you. Us.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this first season of The Inner Circle. I'm kind of sad to say that we're wrapping up the first season this week. However, we'll be back on May 21st with the start of season two. We have a lot of exciting things planned, including group chats with the network and more amazing guests. If you want to stay up to date with us, you can follow us on Instagram at impactzero.ca, on Twitter at impactzero underscore or you can find us on LinkedIn as well. Thank you so much for supporting us for this first season of the inner circle and I will see you in a few weeks starting on May 21st for season two.